as long as you're operating from the perspective that you have to have your back because your partner's not going to have your back, then to some degree, you're going to be living in silos where each of you has your own backs, but neither one of you has each other's backs. And to be honest, that's a big leap of faith for, for me, it was anyway, and continues to stir up fear when I come up against parts of myself that are afraid mm. to trust you or to show a part of myself that I don't think is going to be lovable or desirable or that could scare you away. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome to episode 42 of The Art of We. Today, we are going to be talking about when there's a backdoor exit in a committed relationship. And by backdoor exit, we're talking about when somebody's explicitly or implicitly having a, an exit card if their relationship is not going to work out. How else would you describe a backdoor exit, Will? Yeah, I think it's um, like having your hand on the doorknob behind your back, mm. you know, mm -hmm. like some way out where you're not two feet in completely to the commitment. Yeah. And we've both been in relationships where there's been some form of backdoor exit, whether it's been revealed in the relationship, like, hey, I'm going to leave if this thing isn't, if you don't fix this thing, I'm going to ditch you. <laughs> or, or more of a internal dialogue of, hey, if this person doesn't get their stuff together, then I'm not going to participate in this relationship anymore, but it's not explicitly talked about. Right. Part of the exit piece is where we like to talk about it is how um, one-sided or unilateral it is to have a way out that's not held by both people together. And you could think about like an addiction, for example, and how if one person is dealing with an addiction, how do you handle that as a couple? And you could stand off to the side and say, well, you know, if Will doesn't get his screen addiction under control, I'm going to leave at a certain point when I decide I'm going to leave, as opposed to how are Will and I going to hold this together? Are we going to do this together? Right. And obviously there are situations where if it's abusive in some form or any form, then, you know, it's a different conversation, but we're really talking about two people who are saying that they're committed, but then one or both have this kind of like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if this is actually going to work out. I mean, we've, we've known married people who have had this kind of like, well, we'll see if he or she does this thing or doesn't do this thing, then, you know, we'll see if we're together by next year or whatever the conversation might be. And also just committed partnerships where we've sat with couples who, there's one couple in particular who have shared their story before, but we'll just share it here that the man in a heterosexual couple that didn't realize he had an actual exit, backdoor exit going on, but it was very apparent in 
how things were showing up in their relationship. So she was feeling things in the relationship where he didn't feel fully committed, even though he was saying he was fully committed. He was kind of a islandy type. If you talk about attachment, where it's like he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out energetically. Maybe with his actions, he's doing the, these things, even though they're saying they're fully committed until he realized that he actually did have a backdoor exit possibility. It was really hard for them to take the next steps in their relationship, which once they became aware of this is actually when they got into a deeper commitment together because they were able to consciously see what was happening. And that led to them eventually getting married, which was awesome. Yeah, I think it's a, sort of a problem around security and not being two feet in to your commitment. And in that case, the one you're talking about uh, was kind of a revelation of, oh, wow, there's a, there's a deeper commitment I can make here. Mm -hmm. And I say it that way because I think it's important for the listener who may or may not relate to this idea of like, wait a second, I'm fully committed to my partner. Mm. There may be ways that you, if you really take a look, ways that you could deepen your commitment to your partner to create more security and from more security then more creation can happen more creativity can happen absolutely and if i compare our relationship with previous relationships it's very different for me because we're really talking about this type of commitment where we're actually in the active process of creating security and i know that in previous relationships when there wasn't this two feet in there's just slightly, even if it was spoken or not, backdoor exit, which I've always kind of had until I really committed to you as in marriage in a certain way, or actually when we got engaged. So everybody's situation is different, but it's really hard in my experience for someone's nervous system to relax when there's even the thought that one of us might have a backdoor exit. It's really hard to fully trust each other. Sometimes it can be hard for us to fully trust ourselves with our partner and how we're telling them the truth or we're not telling them the truth or it just is kind of a hellish realm in relationship. When I look back to be like, wow, that was not very settling to my system. I'm curious if you can speak to experiences that you've had when there was an implicit or explicit backdoor exit. I think for me in the past, the partners I've had where I felt insecure in the partnership, which is, you know, pretty much all, <laughs> all partnerships I've had <laughs> before this one. I perceived that, and it was probably true on my end, but it's always easy to perceive the the faults and the flaws in your partner than it is your own, right? <laughs> totally. So I'll, I'll just say that like in my partners, I felt like there was a way that if certain things were said or like if I did certain things or said certain things, the person would choose to unilaterally leave the relationship as opposed to coming with a more secure message of, hey, this isn't working for me. Let's change. You know, would you be willing to look at this? Yes. How do we change this together? Okay, let's figure that out. So it's a different level of security that you can get to. And like we have here in our relationship where, like you said earlier, we're not talking about abuse or people who are super addicted in some way and unconscious and unwilling to look at it. Mm -hmm. You know, those are situations where it would be really hard to stay in the relationship and maybe you shouldn't actually. Mm -hmm. 
we're talking about committed partners who are here to grow and learn through their partnership and get stronger and more secure together. So in that context, it's like um, a kind of like a constant feeling of anxiety in the background Yeah, that it's hard not to walk on eggshells when you think that the other person's not going to be able to or be willing to work through something. Absolutely. And on the flip side, if I'm in a relationship and I'm kind of continually assessing my partner and the relationship, if it's going to last, if I'm going to stay, it's like background noise that's going, maybe more so at times than others, but that's just totally annoying and consuming and frustrating. And it's not fun to be on either side of this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's Maybe that's one way that I've in the past had more of one foot out the door mm. in the back back door exit is getting really focused on, is this the relationship for me or is this going to last or how long can I stay in this or all those kind of thoughts. Yeah. Well, how about we take a quick break and we, when we come back, we'll share some thoughts of if you are experiencing this, how to potentially approach it. We'll share the difference for us of what it actually feels like when there's not a backdoor exit or when somebody's not putting a threat into the ending of a relationship. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance, and now back to the episode. Welcome back. So first, I want to talk about a little bit with you, Will, about why, why keep a back door open. So you said in prior relationships, you have kept a back door exit open, or you've had a back door exit at least. Why do you think that that was? Like, what had you want to be able to have an exit route? That's a great question. I think that I was much younger and I didn't completely believe that the kind of relationship that we have, I could have that. It took a long time for me to learn about that and take a stand for that. And also to stop blaming my partners in the past for I was a blamer. I was a judger and a blamer mm. a lot in my relationships in the past. And I really had a hard time seeing my side of what went off the rails mm. with conversations or situations or the way I contributed. And ultimately, I think that was a way for me to feel secure is to feel superior mm. or better than or a victim of the other person. Mm. And I didn't see the cost of taking that position, right, which was significant. And we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that was the main reason is just out of security, mm -hmm. using judgment and blame 
as a way to feel secure. Mm, I think that's so well said. When I think back to when I've kept a backdoor exit, there was a similar feeling of superiority. Like there was something, not that I was better than the person, but like that I felt in control in some form. Like I could leave if I want to leave and it's that's up to me. Right. And something about that kept me from going into a deeper place of vulnerability and even fears of like codependency and getting enmeshed. Maybe I didn't have the skills and the tools to make sure that didn't happen. But there was also something about like not fully giving somebody my heart and like you said, taking a stand for the relationship, which I think in part is why you and I are where we are now is because of taking a stand for a particular type of relationship. It's the kind of relationship where we're orienting towards this will work out. We're going to figure out how it's going to work out versus I hope it works out. Does that resonate for you? It does. It feels like there's just a, a level of trust in your partner that is hard to get to when you're still holding on to the idea that I really have to have my own back because my partner's not going to have my back. And as long as you're operating from the perspective that you have to have your back because your partner's not going to have your back, then to some degree, you're going to be living in silos where each of you has your own backs, but neither one of you has each other's backs. And to be honest, that's a big leap of faith for for me it was anyway, and continues to stir up fear when I come up against parts of myself that are afraid mm. to trust you or to show a part of myself that I don't think is going to be lovable or desirable or that could scare you away. Yeah, I think you nailed it around having each other's backs. That really resonates for me of being in relationships where we don't fully have each other's backs versus we totally fully have each other's backs. The difference in the two relationships for me is profound. And I also believe that with you and I standing for the relationship that we're standing for and getting the reps in and the practice in when these parts come up of, you know, uh-oh, is this the part that, you know, <laughs> is going to break the camel's back or whatever, that we continue to get these reps and more and more of these parts of ourselves actually start to be able to reveal ourselves because we're creating more of that security. And I think we've come a really long way in this kind of container. Yeah, once you make that commitment, even if you're not completely consciously able to make the commitment, but you make the commitment to have your own back and have your partner's back and your partner makes the same commitment to you, yeah. then things can unfold at a different level that wasn't possible before. Right. And it's hard to really get that until you're in it and you start experiencing it personally. But exactly, that has been a massive reveal for me. Big opening. Yeah. I think even it's different in my family system when I was growing up. Of course, I felt like in some ways my family had my back. But I think in other ways, it's just a diff very different dynamic. It's like parents and children and power dynamics and all these other things where when we get into an adult relationship and we're actually willing to work something that maybe we didn't fully have as a child because it probably wasn't fully appropriate. Like we can't fully have our parents' backs <laughs> as, a, as a child. But I think that it's like, it's something that we're not taught or naturally step into. It, it takes a lot of work and consciousness and being willing to 
like you said, take responsibility for our parts and also have our partners see their responsibility for different parts of what's happening inside of our co-created dynamic. Boy, I'm so glad that I met you now and not when you were back when you weren't taking responsibility in a relationship because you're so good at taking responsibility. I really think that I won the jackpot there. <laughs> yeah, you definitely wouldn't have enjoyed being in a relationship with me uh, 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, operating, all of us operate from the highest level of health or maturity that we could get to when we left our family of origin. And then we need to go to work if we want to earn mm. what you're talking about. It's earned, yeah. you know, it's earned through hard work. And there's a lot of fear that comes up when you really consider what it's like to fully depend on another person. Yeah. And I think it would be good to say a few words about the difference between this commitment and codependency because there's a kind of a slippery slope, I think, here. And to me, it, the crux of it is the difference between codependency and interdependency, healthy, secure interdependency is in codependency, I want you to have my back more than I do. Mm. Like I'm, I'm turning over responsibility for my problems to you. Mm -hmm. And maybe we do that with each other. And so we're enabling each other to kind of get away with younger, more injured ways of doing things because we're not as responsible for our own growth and development and healing as our partner is for us. So it's really important, I think, to emphasize that point that if you're not standing for your own health and your own development. Mm, I'm so glad that you're, you're bringing this up. Absolutely. Or maybe it will work for a long time. I mean, you meet couples who stay in relationships for decades who have this kind of dynamic. You can see it. Yeah, that's true. And for some people, that's what they're interested in. Right. We're just talking about a different kind of dynamic. For me, being in this kind of two feet in commitment with you and the way that we're talking about it and having the experience of having really big healing processes with you, I feel like I'm actually becoming more and more whole as we begin to heal these parts together, as we begin to build trust together, as we begin to really understand how we have each other's backs. And I feel like without that kind of experience, I don't think that I would ever be able to reach the level of wholeness that I'm attempting to reach in my lifetime because there's always this kind of threat response that we were talking about in other kinds of relationships. And so I feel like that's the possibility here for people who are listening and who are interested in this. Exactly. I mean, that's how this kind of two feet in relationship is a healing path and a, a path of personal development through the commitment to the other. And I'm also seeing layers of healing that I didn't know I needed and that I didn't know was possible by virtue of opening up to and being more willing to show vulnerability to you. And for those of you who are listening, I think the nervous system is a really good indicator. Not that or my nervous system is always calm. It's not <laughs> this relationship. But I feel like it's come a really long way. And when I think of the nervous system and I think about the relationships, when I look back, I was like, oh, I, it was a heightened feeling of a nervous system, not a cool, calm, relaxed nervous system. And so if you're listening, I just would take a pulse of what do you feel like your nervous system is today with this partner that you're in relationship with? And if you feel like there could be a more settled 
experience of yourself and if you also feel like one of you has a backdoor exit going on consciously or unconsciously, then Will has some really good questions for you to ask yourself. (laughs) (laughs) What would you have somebody in this state inquire about themselves or lean in with their partner about? We could probably do a whole episode on this, but I think the question I would ask you is, are there sacred cows in your mind or, you know, things that you're ashamed of or places that you go to psychologically that don't feel safe to share with your partner? Mm. Things that you try to handle privately because you might be afraid of that they might judge you or that, you know, they might be disgusted by what they hear or what they see or what they learn about you. I think that's brilliant. I love that inquiry. And I could also imagine if there's parts of your partner that you feel disgusted by that you don't want to go into that are also potentially sacred cows that you don't expose with your partner, your partner doesn't expose with you. Those would be really good indicators too, right? And now you're getting really juicy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so funny, just on a side note, I just found a bunch of journals that are like from some, like I think I was 24 going on 25. And at one time in my life, they were like hidden, they're in the vaults. I even wrote some of it in in very bad French to keep people from being able to find them. And finding them, like I'm just like, well, was like, I want to read them. I'm like, okay, here you go. It's like, there's no, there's nothing that I feel like I couldn't expose with you. That happened to me when I was younger or now. And historically, I would have been like, uh, I, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't think you could read them in my journals. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, really, it's a really cool experience to have that with you. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me with that tenderness. So I think your question, the inquiry, is a really good one. Is there anything else that you want to add before we end? Well, we'd always love to hear feedback in your favorite podcast platform. You can leave us a review. You can contact us directly through the website, kristavanderveer.com. We'd love to hear your suggestions for future episodes or any reports on trying out some of the challenges that we offer at the end of these episodes. Yes, we would absolutely love that. I think our five-pound Sharky has something to say. She's squeaking in the background, so let's go listen to her. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If this show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at art of we podcast and we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together like butter and toast on the art of we